0: Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the One Shop Movement podcast where it's all around inspiration, education, diving deep into the stories of entrepreneurs that are making it happen. Super excited today because I've got a good friend of mine, someone that I've actually worked with in business for a long time, crossing paths many, many times over the last 8 to 10 years. We've toured around the world together. We've done speaking tours together and this guy here has gone on an incredible journey exploring and self-awareness discovery and really spent a lot of time around consciousness and meditation and building human performance in business and uh, we're going to spend some time talking about some of these areas that people do, do not necessarily have a good understanding of. So we'll welcome Mr. James Yates to this week's episode of the One Shot Movement Podcast. Okay, everybody, welcome to another episode of the One Shot Movement podcast, which is all around inspiration, education, diving deep into the stories of successful entrepreneurs making it happen. I'm super excited today because I've got an incredible guest here with us who's a good friend of mine. We have done businesses on and off over the last maybe eight to 10 years and we've traveled the world together. We've actually run tours, speaking tours through Africa which today is still one of my favourite tours I've ever been on. He's now the founder of Reignite Enterprises brand, which is a real passion of his, this whole new new age of consciousness training, uh, human performance and consciousness coach. He's a coach and speaker, tours the world. We are just talking off air about his plans to tour through Asia this year, running workshops for people to reignite their life. He's also running incredible Reignite retreats. So I want to welcome you, Mr. James Yates.
1: Craig, it's a pleasure to be on, mate. And it's uh, it's such a pleasure because, um, as you say, the, the journey together over the last few years has been uh, really phenomenal. Uh, loved every moment and it's uh, it's great to see what you're up to here.
0: Cool, mate. And, yeah, I've I've shared a lot about one-shot movement to you and, you know, it really does align with you. So um, let's rewind. We've got a lot to unpackage here because it's often an area that's very much unknown and unexplored from a lot of people. And I've watched your journey from probably the halfway point, but, you know, if you rewind your story back to, I guess, originally starting out as a fitness coach and performance and high-performance training Olympic, athletes um, in fitness and then you sort of moved and evolved into personal development growth and combining the two and over the last three years or maybe longer for you but I've really noticed another shift in your uh, coaching levels again so go back to where it all started and just share a bit more about your story.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Craig. It's been a phenomenal journey and definitely a a journey that has had different phases in there. But I guess if I go right back to the start, you know, very early on got into fitness as almost as an opt out to having to go down the corporate path. I watched my father work massive hours as a kid and I always said, I just don't want to do that. Um, So fitness was kind of like the easiest way to not have to be in an office at the time, right? And um, very early on, age 16, I was still at school, but in all the school holidays, I went and studied to become a fitness trainer. Um, and, and had an early opportunity to work with elite athletes, um, some that went on to compete uh, for the highest honours. And I guess when you're working with elite athletes, you really understand very quickly uh, the the mindset involved. You know, 10 one-hundredths of a second could be the difference between first and, you know, fifth or eighth place. And so, you know, it's a cutthroat environment. And there's a lot going on in terms of the preparation and the mind behind it. So I was fascinated on that. Um, but the, the issue I had was my vehicle at the time, which was, you know, Trading a lot of time for a lot of money it didn't serve me personally, so I got into the business world a lot and started to, you know, become an entrepreneur. Um, but I had that that athlete's mindset kind of in the back of my mind the whole way through, and I was like, how do I, how do I optimize my own showing up in life? How do I get better, and how do I help others to do the same? And so there was always this mindset component attached, um, but I had to go through my own journey of many highs and many lows throughout, you know, the last sort of 15 to 20 years uh, that has led me to this point. Um, There were times where, you know, and I'm sure you can relate to this in business where things just didn't work out. And that put a huge amount of pressure. And at the time, I think a lot of us get put under the pump in this modern world, and we haven't got the tools to necessarily always deal with it um, in a a conscious way. I mean, you know, it's it's very reactive. So I, I was diagnosed at one stage with depression and anxiety and and all these things, but really, it was kind of like just a cry out for not necessarily well, aligning at the time to my, my purpose and my passions. Um, and so I kind of went down this path of feeling like it was all game over and I didn't know what to do and how to go about it. But I kept having this athlete's mindset at the back of my mind, which was, you know, you've got to put in a huge amount of focus. You've got to set the vision. You've got to set the dreams and you've got to make sure that you, you really execute. And so I guess that kept me going through the downtimes. Um, And also having the support mechanism as well. I mean, you know, we've got to make sure that we surround ourselves with people that bring out the best in us. And I guess my journey really evolved once I connected with with my life partner Chantelle because she was already on a bit of a journey when it came to elevating our awareness and and becoming more savvy when it came to what we were doing to to take care of ourselves. I always talk about this concept of self-care, right? I mean, putting the oxygen mask on you first before you try to help others. And often in life, we do it the opposite way, where we're giving all of our stuff and things and energy to everyone but ourselves. And all of a sudden we burn out and say, well, why did, why did that happen? And so um, I guess having that connection point uh, allowed me to be able to kind of dive quite deep, quite quickly. Um, And as a result, uh, if you look at the last, you know, three or so years, I just got into a space where I guess I trusted myself enough to ask more questions, which allowed me to dig deeper in the whole development journey. And I just became more aware on some things that served me. And I think we've all got a level of awareness uh, depending on where we're at in our journey, but that can always go further. And I I was just ready to dive deeper. And so Reignite was sort of born on the back end of, um, hey, what if we could help people um, to live as they truly are, not how they've been taught to be, how they can show up authentically, congruently, and give them the tools in order to be able to do that as well. So came from a very interesting background, um, but it was a journey to get to this point and it takes time to get to that point uh, in most people's journeys.
0: Mm, and there's a lot to unpackage just in that story there alone because often in my whole vision, mission and sharing the story, it is a journey and you've got to go on a journey. There's no, um, you know, overnight success quite often. You know, if you want to transition out of your career into a business or you want to evolve to the best version of yourself, you've got to go through the, through the, um, I guess, the process and the journey and you've got to be patient. But I totally relate with what you were saying around, you know, person. In- personal training in particular, you're so, so focused on helping other people get results. And I I, I remember clearly after getting up at 10 to 5 in the morning, getting home at 8 o'clock at night, just drained myself um, and feeling you know not my best version of myself because i you know, I trained a lot of people all day and i did that for years and years and years so i can totally relate to that so you talk often when you speak and present about consciousness it's a word that buzzes around these days and you know For someone like yourself that's asked more questions, has dived a little bit deeper into that area, how would you define that word and, um, you know, how is that helpful for people to understand?
1: Yeah, absolutely. For me, consciousness is awareness. So it's the ability to be able to expand our our inner uh, processing of uh, often an external vision initially, but then that often becomes internalized as well. So, uh, for example, a simple way of describing consciousness could be you've been walking down the street, the local street where you live for so long, and all of a sudden you realize that there are all these high trees above you and you've never noticed them before. Um, that's, that's, that's a state of elevating our consciousness because all of a sudden there's, there's greater awareness on, a, on particular things. Um, as you dive deeper though, you start to realize that there are belief systems and patterns that have been programmed in us. Uh, that may not be our own, they've come from often how we've been, you know, brought up or the environmental factors. And even often, there's been things that have been passed down through different generations that may not be serving us. And we're doing that on autopilot. And when you start to draw awareness to the different habits, and the different belief systems and the patterns that we show up on a daily basis, you start to realize that there are some things that are not serving us. And we can obviously find tools to be able to better those scenarios. So for me, it was a lot about um, the really simple things like more awareness around what I was putting in my body, more awareness around um, how I was stilling the mind, more awareness around how I was showing up in front of of others. Um, And that elevates better results ultimately because you start to find what is congruent to who you are rather than doing everything on autopilot. So to to summarize, yeah, I mean, consciousness is, is awareness. And we've all got different states.
0: Yeah, and and it's um, like I I, I find this a fascinating conversation. And you and I have often had um, private conversations around this topic. Um, Certainly for me, my whole self-awareness and nearly spiritual journey sort of took off from January 2020. 24th of January 2014, losing Ethan and really asking more questions and being curious and, and understanding energy and, and raising vibrations and, um, you know, and then becoming consciously aware. And, and last year I did a, a retreat with, you know, one of Australia's leading um, educators, Jack DeLosa, and it was we, we did a major uh, session on conscious wealth creating. And that was really... Um, I guess, a practical way of um, putting it all together from, um, you know, self-awareness into business and life, etc., which is quite a, a really interesting conversation. And you mentioned stealing the mind, you know, as certainly a tool. Um, meditation how do you and, and define that as well and you know it's a word a lot of people don't understand the power of it how would you describe meditation for example and how you know how do you use that in your say coaching and 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 daily routines
1: yeah it's a great question so you know meditation for me is a tool and and a, and a method of being able to apply you know more mindfulness in our lives so again more more awareness and so um, there's been plenty more studies done in recent times, but this is a practice that's been used for you know, thousands of years. Um, and if you go back in time, it's probably um, one of the very few uh, agreed-on principles across nearly every religion, right? Most of the time there's, there's different components um, there that, that are different, but, but mindfulness, and whether it's prayer, whether it's meditation, whether it's um, you know, some form of, of breath work, it's always being used to help us come back into our own. And so meditation for me is is a phenomenal tool because it allows us to still the mind. um, And and it's it's like going to the gym, but going to the gym for your brain. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, if you look at the modern science, there's a huge amount that has shown that, you know, we can decrease stress. We can, you know, reduce cortisol streaming through our veins. We can, um, we can become more productive um, we actually can can have better relationships. And there's all these great benefits. And if you just type in benefits of meditation into Google, it's amazing what comes up. One thing that's really fascinating for me, though, is uh, what it does for our amygdala in our brain. So our, our amygdala being our control center of stress. And, you know, if you see a snake in front of you, the natural reaction is for you to kind of jump, right? Um, and that's where you're immediately as your brain starts to process what's in front of you, you, you your amygdala basically sends out the the, uh, the signal to go, right, cortisol, we need you to, we need this fight or flight response so we can get out of that situation because it's not serving us. Um, and back mm-hmm. in the day, that was great. You know, if the saber-toothed tiger was chasing a human, we needed that. But the problem that we've got in today's modern society is that a majority of people are living with fight or flight happening like 24-7, you know, chronic stress. This is as a result of, Um, not taking time for ourselves. It's going and putting ourselves into stressful scenarios where we wake up, we get on the phone, we get into the car. We're we're already stressed because we've already basically hijacked our natural state of flow because we're doing things in reaction rather than being proactive. You know, you you pick up the phone and you've got a, um, you know, a message there and it's almost like that fear of loss. You've got to look at it and then you get in the car and someone cuts you off and then you want to honk your horn because it's starting to frustrate you. So everything builds up and this stress, you know, is there all the time. So what has what been found is that, you know, the, the, the moment that you go into a fight or flight scenario, um, your, um, you know, your body or your brain will start to shut down huge amounts of components that, that, that are not needed in that moment. So the frontal part of the brain, you know, the logical part is shut down and it's basically get yourself out of that scenario, Craig, because the snake's about to jump at you. But what we've found from practicing mindfulness Uh, For only eight weeks, and meditation in particular, even if it's like 10 to 20 minutes a day, they've shown a reduction in the size of your amygdala, which is normally only an almond size anyway, but they've actually been able to show that it shrinks the amygdala size. So what that means is you still see the snake in the same amount of time, but you're able to process and say, hey, that's actually a stick. I don't need to get out of here. In that same moment, because you're more calm, so things aren't reactive, you're now in a state where you own What's going on? And so, meditation in a business environment is, is perfect for that same reason. We're mm. always thrown challenges, we're always thrown scenarios. It can help us stay calm, but at the same time, it allows us to also grow our awareness. So we start becoming better at asking greater questions. We start becoming better at asking questions of ourselves, and that's where this whole level of consciousness can start to increase as well. It's fascinating. But I really, really love the principle of meditation, and then there's a lot of different varieties that you can apply as well
0: and what would you say to someone that they just can't switch their brain off because for me uh with meditation you know you can sort of start trying to meditate and all of a sudden your brain's racing around all over the place and it takes it's it's a skill and it takes time to do um, do you see people still getting benefit you know just by just in that relaxed state let's say um that can't steal the mind
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what I generally find is someone that's struggling to stay focused for a long period of time, start off really small. And even if it's just focusing on being aware of your breath for like a minute, and every time you notice that your mind is moving, that's already a greater state of awareness. And so you're Mm -hmm. able to then start bringing that back to that focus of that breath. And even if you can grow it for 30 seconds to start with, and then you bring it to a minute, that's Mm -hmm. a massive, massive thing that you can be doing over a period of time because of all of the benefits that flow. You might eventually get that to 5, 10, 20 minutes, but it's what you can do with that in a scenario because, again, as we know, we're so powerful. We've got so much potential just sitting in us that we haven't used, and being able to focus on that piece is one of the greatest things we can do because if you can do that, you can almost do anything.
0: Mm. And in regards to meditation, people that sort of are out in the consciousness living world and really practice mindfulness, etc., talk about uh, raising vibrations and people talk about you know you know my vibrations are higher etc. I, I just want people to really get an understanding from someone that's living, breathing, coaching it their perspective. Just um, you know whether people agree with all of this or not. It's it's it is about asking more questions, being very curious. So, how would you describe that when people are talking about I'm raising vibrations?
1: Yeah, look, it is, it, it is all proven on an energy perspective. You can you know, look at what happens even from quantum physics and all of these kinds of things that when we put ourselves into a state of, of, of playing still and we start to focus on things that are serving us, naturally what happens is the, the energy field around us starts to elevate. Um, so vibration meaning energy, right? And it's, it's as simple as that. And what you generally find is even words carry you know, a, a certain frequency. And so if we're talking a lot of negative self-talk, then we start to manifest that in our lives because we're putting that energy out into the world. And so what we find is when people start to apply things that are really helping them from that self-care perspective, whether it's meditation or, or even, you know, there's different forms of mindfulness, sound, healing, breath, work, all these kind of things. You generally find you're in a state where you're able to start to manifest positively what's going on by putting positive energy out into the world. And that frequency ultimately will come back. you know, We've seen this whole law of attraction piece probably completely you know, uh, uh, put out into the world in the wrong light because yes, you've got to ask for what you want and put this vision out there, but people mm. just expect it to come back, but they haven't changed their frequency in terms of what they're doing internally and how they're showing up in the world. And so that's when it doesn't work. But when mm. it does really work is, is when you really tune in to what is going to serve you and you start to work on all of these components. The stiller we are, the, the more we can stay in our own space without having to get these distractions coming in and taking us away from our own self, the more answers are going to come, more energy is going to increase and ultimately we're going to attract more of what we want.
0: Mm, yeah and look just emotions in general like laughing, um, happiness, joyfulness you know th- th- those type of states of being um, are, are really important in regards to raising your vibrations you know it's a totally different you know when you're angry, when you're sad, when you're unhappy like that that, that is two different types of forms of energy totally. Yeah human performance and peak performance and if someone's listening to this podcast and they're interested in um getting better results um practically uh you've done a lot of work around goal setting you know coaching around goal setting habits do you want to spend a bit of time talking about you know, the difference between goal setting and habits, how habits can drive goals and also how people could potentially change a few things in their life um, and make a huge, a profound difference.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the goal piece is really interesting and especially at the time we're recording this, you know, it's a new year and so what you generally find is a lot of people um, setting a new year's resolution and, um, and so often that for a lot of people means goals and new things. And the problem that we've got is that the goal might be the GPS, but the habit is, so. and when I say the GPS, it's like the, the destination, right, of the GPS. Mm-hmm. But the habit is basically the path in order to get there, because the habit is what we are doing on, in terms of showing up on a subconscious basis. And we can consciously do things for a certain period of time, but it's only going to last if we make it subconscious. So it, it gets embedded in our DNA. And what we generally find is it's really important to have vision because that allows us to take a step forwards and it allows us to move towards things. And in business, that is absolutely vital to know not only your vision, but also the vision of others. But mm-hmm. I think it's really important to understand that we're coming into a very, and we're speaking about consciousness today and awareness that we're coming into a very new world in the way that there are more people becoming aware of themselves and the environments and the things that they, they uh, love in their lives. And so we need to make sure that our Our business goals and our personal goals are very much embedded and linked together. I think once upon a time, we saw a lot of, you know, well, ultimately, I'm doing this just so I can make money so I can do that. But that doesn't drive a lot of purpose that way. And purpose drives productivity. So we're going to make sure that initially we start off with what is driving us. And that's that purpose conversation. Then we're setting goals around that that really set the vision and allow us to jump out of the comfort zone because we know on the bridge that's the most hardest to cross is where all of our dreams and goals are awaiting us. So sometimes those, those goals and those visions need to be greater than what, what our comfort zone is. But then at the same time, we need to look at then what we're doing on a day-to-day basis to show up. So I see a lot of people setting great goals, um, but they're living the same way they were 10 years ago, which mm-hmm. is uh, uh, in reactive mode. And I spoke before about you know, people starting their day you know, on the phone, um, and most people, you know, Craig, it's scary. There's over 50% of people that wake up next to a spouse are reaching for their phone and looking at their phone first before they even say good morning to their spouse. This is this is scary stuff, right? That's that's right there. And so what happens is when we pick the phone up and we start getting into reactive mode because of the emails. Now, our dopamine, which is one of our happy hormones, is really about it's 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 sort of triggered by rewards, right? It's anticipation and rewards. And so we anticipate something's going to be on there. And then we go and, uh, and, and, and see something's on there. So now we're rewarded and we keep mim- mimicking that behavior constantly over and over again. Mm-hmm. The reason I'm talking about this is this is a habit that most of us that are listening today are probably doing without even realizing in some format.
0: Mm-hmm. Now,
1: because we're doing this, all of these visions and these dreams and these goals that we have for the year, all of a sudden start to take a knock because we're not doing the things that serve us in order to manifest those visions and those goals. And so when I talk about habits in order to get to the goals, it's how you start your day is absolutely everything. That's the vital conversation to be having. Because Mm. if you can own the first two hours and you can actually go tech free for the first two hours and do things that are going to serve you, what we generally find is that our stress levels are lower. We're more productive. We're more in tune with who we are. So that leads on to then more positive outcomes throughout the day. That then links on to now finishing the day in a similar light where I I always recommend finishing the day two hours tech free as well so that we actually get into a deeper sleep. And then as a result, that then becomes a day into two, into a week, into a month, into a year. And those visions and those goals that we have are much more attainable because we're owning our own self. Um, And and that's the difference for me between that whole vision conversation and that goal conversation and also the habits. So now we know that habit is directly uh, proportionate to getting us to those goals. And then we can start to look at the other habits. You know, what are we doing in terms of showing up when we actually start to work and we pick up the phone and we are doing things and we start to create this high performance outcome as a result of showing up as a high performer.
0: Mm. And, I guess if you want to understand a bit more context around it as well, you know, a good example would be someone's goal might be to lose 20 kilos. That the habits would be okay, I'm turning up to the gym four times a week. I need to drink four litres of water a day. I need to, uh, you know, improve my diet. I need to drop out, you know, so it's like doing the little activities to be able to get the end result. So that's often how I do it. I actually spent 2,000. 2018 with a business mastermind group and every morning, uh, every 90 days, we would draw the goals that we wanted to achieve and the habits that we know that would serve us to reach those goals. And and every morning, uh, Monday morning at 8 a.m., we would do an accountability call and would have to run through the habits to make sure that we stuck to the habits. So it was like accountability overlaying with, um, you know, working towards... Everyone had a, their own individual goal, We're all working from different business backgrounds, etc. But I think in 2018, you know, that was a, a really... Big year of growth for me in business, and it was really just put in some frameworks, ninety-day cycles, uh, accountability program, a really good, solid, achievable goals with a habits plan, um, which uh, was, you know, quite a, a profound exercise to do. And I
1: love, I love what you're saying there because we're talking about accountability um, on, on, on the action rather than the outcome. Uh, we get so caught up on this outcome piece, don't we? We're really always thinking about, you know, this is where I want to be. And you've got to manifest that from a place of good intention. But at the same time, what you're, you're talking about there is just the perfect example of getting the accountability around the things that really matter. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily like let's say you're, you know, you're, you're really driving after a business goal. It's not always about how many calls you make. That's important. But it might be also keeping accountability around how you're actually doing the stuff before you even get into business as well, mm. like you say. So it's really, really cool.
0: And simply one of, the, one of my uh, things that I set myself to do every week was to have seven, seven meaningful conversations with people I'd never met before. And that's pushing you to get out of your comfort zone, to talk to people and say, hi, my name's Craig, um, this is what I do. We're friends on LinkedIn, for example. I see that you're doing this. But, but my, one of my actual tasks that I was set, set myself to do every week was to, to achieve that, which is, you know, it doesn't sound like a lot, but it's, you know, once you go in to try and introduce yourself to someone you'd never met before, it becomes quite a, a, um, a you know, a, a, a out of comfort zone thing for most people.
1: Absolutely, and I, you know what's really cool about that though is if you look at the the Harvard study on longevity, those that had the most meaningful interactions—it didn't matter how they how they ate and what they where they lived, where they came from—those that lived the longest out of seven hundred people surveyed, and that study's still going. It's eighty years old. This study, they proved that those that have the most meaningful interactions live the longest. And so, you know, for anyone listening today. The, the worst case scenario from doing what you've just mentioned, Craig, which is to go and have those seven or eight meaningful interactions a week because you might actually live longer as well. <laughs> well
0: I might have to keep it up then. Um, I've heard you present before and we've presented together many, many, many times over the years, but one of the frameworks that I really enjoyed how you put it together around uh, and skill development. So we're talking in... Our, you know, show is about helping people become the best version of their self, helping people get results, helping people to do that. It's a journey and a growth journey. Um, You talk about 10,000 hours and that gets thrown around a lot, but you also talk about four stages along the journey as well. Do you want to just spend a bit of time talking about that to give people an understanding and you can apply this to nearly every single skill that you're doing?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, as Malcolm Gladwell um, wrote in his book Outliers, um, it takes ten thousand hours to master a craft. Now, it could it could be anything. I mean, he gives the example of the Beatles in that book about you know no one saw the story; they all saw the glory, right? They became this overnight success, but no one saw that they've been playing in Berlin for you know thousands and thousands of hours, just becoming a good band. Um, and it's a similar thing to to most people in life, whether it's supplying any form of new. Um, context in their lives. And this could be a health journey. This could be a business journey. It really could be anything, but the key is to do your time. And what we generally find is most people give themselves an exceptionally unrealistic time frame to get something happening in their lives. And that's why these new years resolutions never work because firstly, we haven't done the time, you know, 10,000 hours full time. Like if you were spending 40 hours a week on a new craft or your current business or whatever it is, that's going to take you five years minimum to do your 10,000 hours if you're uh, part-time 20 hours a week, it's going to take you 10 years plus. And so often we hear, you know, in the entrepreneurial world, it's, you know, it's a three to five year plan. And I, I, I always talk about that being quite, quite an exception to the rule, because if you look at the 10,000 hour rule, that's five to 10 years minimum uh, to, to really become a master. And so that, 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 that journey is broken into four phases. Um, now phase one is the unconsciously incompetent stage. That's ignorance on fire motivation, high skills, low, Like you're excited. You've just, and most, look, if you're, if you're a business person, normally you've made more than just an emotional decision, but often we make as human beings, very big emotional decisions on a lot of other things. So if it was the health goal, it's like, I'm going to become more healthy. I'm going to get more abs or whatever it is. And motivation itself only lasts about 72 hours. So if you your excitement is right up there, but you've not done anything about it in your first little period of time, then what happens is because your skills are low and you haven't done that thing before, all of a sudden it's very easy to get to that, that you know, exit stage, left go into the witness protection program and no one ever sees you again. Um, so it's important to understand that everyone is going to go through this high motivation, low skill when you start anything new. Now the second phase is the low skill and low motivation, because now you've realized that you don't know a lot, all of a sudden, Um, you've mirrored the the amount of motivation to the amount of skills you've got, which is absolutely nothing. So Mm. a majority of people will quit their, their their new ventures or their new goals or their vision, whatever it is um, on, on that second phase. And, And it depends on what you're doing, but generally I find that is somewhere between a six week and a six month period at that point. Right? So most people will probably, if they haven't got a result in their first six months, they normally try to give up. And then the key to understand, though, to get you through those two phases is what I call our reignite high performance model. Really, really simple. Three, three things to know. Number one, what's going to keep you going is purpose. So you have going to be so connected to why you're doing what you're currently doing. And I don't mean just like one why. Sometimes we all know this big why, but sometimes it might be finding meaning in multiple things that you're doing. And you know that the journey that you're on is going to help fuel those little things that you find a lot of meaning in. Um, for example, you might want to spend more time with your kids. You might want to spend more time, you know, um, doing things that you love. Well, that's probably going to keep you going if you keep reminding yourself why you're doing what you're doing. The second thing is, um, which is after, you know, the whole purpose piece is, is uh, presence. And so presence is all about, you know, being in the moment. So I often used to talk about the most important asset was time, you know, was was it money or was it time? It was time. But now I realize it's actually presence because we could be in the room together, but if we're actually not in the room, then all of a sudden we've, we've missed an opportunity. So it's all about being in the moment. So if you're going through a, a bit of a tough journey in your, in your current craft, then remember to be present with yourself and look at why and look at who you're surrounding yourself with and all those other pieces. And the third P is passion. Um, and passion is about doing things that you love every single day because that elevates those happy hormones, that attracts more energy into your life, and it makes you feel good. So, how do you get through these first two phases of going from an unconsciously incompetent phase to a consciously incompetent phase? Make sure you've got those three P's nailed. The third stage of this four phase uh, journey is the consciously competent stage. So, now you've been doing something for a period of time, you now know what you need to be doing. Often it's still conscious though. You've got to be still thinking about what you're currently doing, but you're doing it. And so mm. um, that's where you start to create all the good habits, right? Because you're now doing them consistently and the accountability kicks in because you've got the right people reminding you of the right things. And that's where we start to see results start to drive as well. The fourth phase though is my favorite phase, which is the unconsciously competent phase. Mm. So that's where you become you know, subconsciously able to do the things that actually make the difference. A little yeah. bit like, you know, you drive a car and you don't remember putting it into first, second, third, fourth gear to get to the end destination. You just did it because you've been doing it for so long. It's the same thing in business or the same thing in in any craft. And that's generally the 10,000 hour rule. Once you get to that phase, you know you're you're close to your 10,000 hours. Now, some people go faster, some people go slower, but the reality is a lot of people that go faster and do their 10,000 hours faster in any craft have probably done a lot of the groundwork first. Mm. So if we, if let's, let's say we were talking about entrepreneurs. A lot of the time, if they've gone fast in their business venture, it's because they've mastered the art of creating relationships, networking, right? Mm. And so by having that in play already, then by the time you get to the fourth phase, it could have taken you half the time. But the reality was you still spent that time elsewhere doing those things that were going to sharpen those skills. So it's yeah. a really fascinating journey.
0: No, it's a, it's a really, it's good to understand because people get frustrated, like, how, how come I'm not a millionaire today, or how come I'm, I haven't lost all that weight, I, I, I want to do it, and I'm, I've got good intentions, and I'm prepared to do the work, but it, it is literally a journey, and... and I find you get to points where things can start taking off exponentially once you start getting into that fourth phase as well. So, you, you know, you're probably not getting a good return on your time and money in the first phase, but then by the end of the fourth, fourth phase, it's, it's nearly leveraged in a higher level. Um, always ask people some rapid-fire questions and what would you say is your favourite book that you um and you can list a couple and yeah go for there
1: look i used to love and i still talk about this so much um as a man thinketh by james allen um i just felt that it just really summarizes a lot of the pieces that we talk about in the modern day in terms of you know attracting what you want when you're really grateful for what you have and you really need to focus on getting the mindset right as well um, the science of getting rich um, which was always great because that was the original Law of Attraction book. It was written in 1908 or something like that. Mm. And that was so powerful because it, it really is about manifestation uh, in a big way as well. But there's, a, there's one book that changed the game for me, which was The Winner's Bible by Dr. Kerry Spackman. And it was just about visualization. This guy has had more Olympic athletes win gold medals than any other um, sports you know, psychologist in the world. And it was all about just really getting clear on the whole vision board piece. But he did it in a way which really allowed people to seriously dream and ensure that they were visualizing the outcome before they ran the race. And I feel like we need to do that more in our lives as well. So that was a really big turning point for how I showed up in life. So those three are still some of my favorites. I mean, there's many more, but those three are... Are definitely some some
0: fun ones and what about podcasts or people that apart from the one shot movement podcast um what are what are some of the podcasts or, or people that you lean into to learn off like um dr joe descenza you know um you, you just share a little bit about you know who you learn from and, and where yeah. you go
1: Absolutely. Look, I love Dr. Joe. I mean, he's, um, he's obviously got it really well together. What, what I love about what he does is that he, it's, it's ancient wisdom meets modern science. And that's where we're at right now. There's a lot of awareness going on around where, where that can take us at the moment. So really, really cool. Um, I've always enjoyed people like Brendan Bouchard because he's a really easy to relate to guy. But he's, you can see he's just done the research, done the work, he's applied it, he's become likable. But at the same time, you know, he'd be one of the people you want on your team. When it came to you know living out loud and living your 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 high performance lifestyle, for me though, a lot of the people that I've called on over the years have been behind the scenes. So Dr. Deidre Anderson, who was Ian Thorpe and Kathy Freeman's you know sports psychologist for a while, and She's now working with Matt Hall, who's the uh, world champion Red Bull, Red Bull fighter pilot. You know, like they go really, really fast. They've got to make split decisions within, you know, 10 hundredths of a second. Um, so she works from a mind perspective with these guys. And I've always been fascinated and inspired by what she's done because it's always been about leadership. And we, we often talk about, you know, crisis ignites evolution. And she's like the perfect person to be in your corner when that, those kind of things happen. So I've always had her in my corner. Um, I've had other mentors that have been whether it's health experts or it's funny, I've gone from, you know, these, these really mainstream kinds of people that I look up to, to people that have just got really fascinating different perspectives on things. Mm. And sometimes they're not necessarily the greatest marketers, but they're the greatest educators. Um, yeah. So they're really, really cool as well.
0: Cool. And along your journey and you've obviously, you know, you've, um, learned a lot, you've experienced a lot, you've done a lot, uh, what would you say the resonating or the best bit of advice that you've ever received would be?
1: Yeah, I, I would say there's two things. Uh, so number one is always show up completely authentically, congruently as you. Um, and, and, and I didn't understand what that meant for so long because it was, it was about me just going out and doing what I thought I knew. But when you become a little bit more aware me, I realized that all the beliefs I had were actually other people's beliefs. And so when I started to show up in my own light, I realized there was a lot of shifts I needed to make to unlearn stuff and to learn things that were going to actually enhance who I truly was. So I think anyone listening, it's, you know, be you, make sure that you're really clear on what that is. And the way you know, if you're not being you is you're going to feel it in your gut. You know, it if it's not feeling right, if you're still doing something that's not necessarily on the, on the right path, uh, but listen and, and tune into that a little bit more. Uh, and, the, and the second bit of advice was always take care of yourself first, um, you know, put that oxygen mask on, because if you are able to enhance your own journey, uh, you're going to inspire a lot more people long term and you're going to make a greater impact as long as you're, uh, you're healthy and, and happy as well. So those two bits of advice have served me pretty well.
0: Great. It's been a, a really Good and interesting conversation and there's a lot of stuff to unpackage and as I always say to people, um, just be curious and really lean in and learn uh, from people that are are doing it. You know, whatever you adopt for yourself will be for yourself but I think this conversation around meditation and, and consciousness and what that actually is and some real practical ways that how they can help you has been quite fascinating. Fascinating. So, James, where do we find more about you and share a little bit about what you're doing in 2020 and beyond?
1: Yeah, great question, Craig. So, you know, as, as our brand, Reignite, um, we're doing some, some really cool things. We run retreats uh, internationally, which are, you know, four-day, three-night uh, immersions into really helping people to live their best life. It's almost getting a bit of a taster of quite a few different modalities within that so that you can take the tools back into your own life. So you can go to reigniteretreat.com and check that out um and for me personally you know it's about sharing it's about sharing our journey further and i say us because again it's been a bit of a family affair with how we've gone about this um chantelle and i um really feel that there are a lot of people out there that are looking for more um support if you'd like in order to be able to live their best life and we know all the other results come as a a result of that piece so um you can check more out on jamesyates.me me Um, And uh, that has plenty of information of of things that are up and coming and and events and, and things like that as well. So plenty of that this year.
0: Great. And I have to uh, thank you for jumping onto the One Shot Movement podcast, which is all about inspiration, education, and talking to the entrepreneurs, making stuff happen to help people live with passion and purpose, which is two things that we did uh, hear a little bit about, James, talk about today. So on that note, James, thanks for jumping on and look forward to uh, connecting with you soon.
1: Thanks so much, Craig. really appreciate all the work you're doing and keep it going, man. It's amazing.
0: Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the One Shot Movement podcast with James. As a highly educational episode where we really dive deep into an area that people simply don't understand and just really ignore the benefits and the, the possibilities of how that can impact your human performance and life. So as always, we are interviewing at the One Shot Movement podcast the best of the best in their fields. Today we're with J- James Yates. As I always say to people, live with passion and purpose. You've only got one shot at life. Go out there and give it your best shot. My name's Craig Schultz and we'll see you next week with another episode.